and we'll be moving into our verse of the day, which is from Esther chapter 8, verse 1 through 2. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. This is the word of the Lord. Today we're going to be in the final message of the book of Esther. Um, we've, been, we've been in this book for a good part of this year, I think about three months. And today we're going to wrap up our time in the book. Some of you guys are like, we're never going to finish Esther. Yes, we are. Today is the final message in the book of Esther. Uh, last week, Pastor John did a wonderful job of opening chapter 7 to us, talking about justice, God's justice and judgment. Uh, and, and if you remember chapter 7, it ended with the king, King Xerxes, ordering the death of a man named Haman, right? The enemy of the Jews. And Haman, right? Chapter 7, this, this irony, he's executed on the very gallows that he had built for his enemy, Mordecai. And that's sort of how chapter 7 comes to an end. And, and the final three chapters, we're covering chapters 8, 9, 10 today. We're going to be for the next hour and a half. Kidding, 20 minutes, very short actually. Uh, last three chapters, really the book ends with this wonderful account of God not only saving his people, but restoring them to even greater abundance. I want to say re restoration. Restoration, that's, that's really the word today. So, so starting from chapter 8, what we see is Esther once again, right? pleads for her own people and asks her husband, the king, to cancel the evil decree that the Haman had put out against her own people. There was a decree, Haman's executed, but the decree still stands. So Esther asks her husband, hey, can we do something with this decree? And the king responds to Esther's request by putting his signet ring on that which was, Haman was wearing to uh, hand a Mordecai. And, and the king tells Mordecai, after giving him this signet ring, which is a sign of importance, to write a new decree, to overwrite the old decree with a new decree so that the Jews can defend themselves against their enemies. And upon the release of the new decree in chapter, chapter 9, we see Jews were given rights to defend against their enemies. They have this great victory. God has turned their mourning into dancing. And in chapter 9, after this great victory all over the empire against the enemies, Mordecai and Esther marks this day to really remember unto the Lord as a day of salvation, as a day of restoration. And, and the, the Feast of Purim already existed in the culture, but now Mordecai says, as whenever we celebrate this Feast of Purim, we're going to remember that God has saved us, not only once in Egypt, but also here in Persia. That God has rescued us. God has restored our fortune. And even today, amongst the Jews throughout the world, this Feast of Purim is celebrated. And in this celebration of Purim, Book of Esther is actually read to God's people. Wonderful, wonderful ending. 
And in final chapter, chapter 10, which is like three verses only, the story comes to close with these words. Author records these words in the final chapter, final verse. And he basically says, Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to the king. What an ending. This, this was like a Korean drama, right? It had ups and downs and ups and downs. But it ends, it lands beautifully by God restoring not just Esther, not just Mordecai, but God's people. And so as we zoom out and think about all that's happened in this story, especially how this whole story comes to close, we're once again reminded that God that we serve, God that we, we sing about, is God who loves to restore His people. If you, if you, if you the, the, the vase, the next, next graph, um, I don't know if you know this form of art. I was introduced to this by another pastor. This is a Japanese art, art form called kintsugi. And kintsugi is art of repairing broken pottery like this vase by mending the areas that were broken with powder, gold, or silver, or platinum, right? Creating beauty out of brokenness. What a wonderful illustration of the gospel. I'm so thankful to that pastor for showing me this form of art, right? This beautiful creating beauty, creating restoration out of something that's broken. And, and, and that's really what we're encountering throughout chapters 8, 9, and 10. And the author is very clear. He gives us details on how God restores Esther, how God restores Mordecai, and how God restores his people. And really, if you, if you remember where we were in the beginning of the story to how the story ends, there is this great dichotomy. And, and I think the author is very intentional about how he sets up this story. Earlier in the book, in chapter, chapter 4, verse 2, we're told that when Haman had, had made that decree against God's people, Mordecai finds out that their, their, their days are numbered. And Mordecai tries to enter the king's gate. But because he's wearing sackcloth and ashes, he can't. Right? Here in chapter 8, we are told he's not only inside those king's gates, but he's invited to the very presence of the king. In chapter 2, Mordecai uncovers an evil plot against the king, right? That, remember that, the whole thing? Some of the men wanted the king dead, had this plot, Mordecai uncovers. But as soon as chapter 2 ends and Mordecai does this courageous act of saving the king, it's not him who receives the signet ring of the king, but we are told that it's Haman, the enemy of the Jews. It's a Haman that rises to power, that receives the signet ring of the king. Yet as the story comes to an end in chapters 8, 9, and 10, we are told that the ring is taken from the hand of Haman and now given to Mordecai. Just a few moments ago, Mordecai was a dead man walking. His, his, number, his days were numbered. Haman had built this gallows to put him, right? Like literally... It's only in chapter 6 when King loses sleep and begins to kind of search the book of good deeds. He finds out, oh, there's this man, Mordecai, who was not rewarded. But, but again, there's this beautiful story of restoration. In the, in, in the, in the beginning in chapter 4, when Mordecai found out that, that Haman had brought this decree, right? He, he wore sackcloth and ashes and began to cry out 
And in this story, in chapter 8, verse 13, he is no longer. Those, those once worn sackcloth and ashes have been replaced by the royal garments of blue and white. He no longer needs to hide his identity as Esther's cousin and guardian, right? That is, that is publicly announced by Esther in front of the king. So there are all these details that the author wants to show us where Mordecai was and now where he is, where Esther was, where she is now. But it's not just the book of Esther. In fact, both the Old Testament and New Testament scripture is filled with this idea of restoration. The word to restore something appears over 135 times, both in Old Testament, combining Old Testament and New Testament scripture. To restore something. And not only that, and, and the scripture clearly talks about the fact that not only our God restores, but whenever he does, he restores people in abundance. If you think about the story of Job, very, very difficult and hard story. I've read Job so many times, I still don't get the lesson. I mean, it's, it's really, really hard book. It's really, really intense. But in the end, right, Job had lost everything his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And his friends have accused him. Are you sure you haven't done anything wrong? Are you sure you are blameless before the Lord? Right? He was just, he got sick. He, was, he, he, was, he, he had things in his body. But at the end of the story, we are told that God restored Job, not just what he had, but even more. What about passages like Joel chapter 2? Verses 25 to 26, right? Prophet Joel has a message for the nation Judah. They have sinned against God. We know the story of Israel. This nation Judah ha has sinned against God. They are being punished for their sins. They feel defeated. They're down and out. Yet through this passage, by sending Prophet Joel, God promises his people that he's not going to leave them in this sense of hopelessness. That he's not going to leave them in this defeat. So verses 25 to 26, this is Joel chapter 2. It says, God speaking to his people, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. You will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. So we see throughout both Old Testament and New Testament scripture, we see this theme of restoration. Think about Apostle Paul and his life and how God has restored him and used him. So really today, I want to encourage us, and especially for those of us that are struggling with this sense of hopelessness. As I was praying and preparing this sermon, I, really, I wanted to preach about something else, but I really felt like God wanted to speak to some of our people in our congregation that are dealing with some sense of hopelessness or this feeling of living in defeat because of something happened or something didn't happen in the past, something you didn't expect happened and you're still living in that reality. But perhaps it's an area of relationships. Most of us have relationship brokenness. I have relationship brokenness. Some of us, it's relationship at work. Perhaps with your coworker, with your boss, with somebody else, perhaps at home, your marriage. You, you talk to your spouse and you, you, you no longer know who she is or who he is. 
you feel like you guys have just drifted apart where you're just comfortable not talking to each other. Others of us, it's your career. Perhaps you're not where you want to be. You hate your job. You think back, you're excited graduating college or getting that degree or certificate, and you're thinking, I'm going to be doing this. And now you look at your life, you feel stuck in your career. And there are others of us, we're battling depression, battling physical sickness. So as, as I was preparing this week, God's, God's like, Simon, keep it simple. Keep it just to the point and let them know that I am God of restoration. So I'm like almost done, almost done. This is all I want you guys to know, that God is God of restoration. And I really felt strongly that God wants to give us a sense of hope. Friends, whatever area you you feel like God is done with you or God has moved on from you, I'm here to tell you this afternoon that God is not. He's not done with you. He's not ready to move on from you. He's, he's not done working in you and working through you. So quick testimony. Two and a half years ago, uh, I almost left ministry. Some of you guys know. I've talked to you guys. I, I, I was almost done doing this pastor thing. After, you know, 10 years of doing ministry, first of all, I told the Lord, Lord, I just want to do ministry for 20 years. If you look at the stats... And, and how many pastors have, like, cancer? It's, 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 it's crazy. I was like, Lord, I'll give you 20 years. Let me do something else after 20 years. So, so I'm still hoping the Lord will, will let me do that. But two and a half years ago, I almost left, left the ministry, right? Um, that, that, that was the third year into our church plan. First two years, it was awesome. It was a blur. It was hard, but it was fun. Third year hit. As soon as that third year hit, we went through a really hard season. Some of you guys were with us. You went through this with us. You know, massive spiritual warfare, disunity in the leadership, gossip, accusation, hatred, and misunderstanding. I've never received so many angry emails in my life. Like I was just, I have trauma. I don't like to op- open my inbox. I, I do that slowly throughout the day. Like, oh, trauma for all these emails. And, and I still have, like, nightmares from that season. Like, I have to wake up Lois sometimes because she's having nightmares from that, like, two and a half years ago in our season in the church. And, and you know, in, in, in that season, like, there are weeks I knew I had to preach, but I didn't even want to come to church. I wanted to be like, yo, I don't want to be here. This is scary. People literally really hate me here, Right? And then I have to like stand in front of them and preach about the gospel. I was like, this is crazy. Lord, I'm done. I remember telling the Lord in that season, like every other day, Lord, I'm done. I'll sell insurance. I'll sell a car. I'm good, Lord. I'm, if, if you're good, if you let me go, I'm good. Right? And, we're, and, and by the grace of God and our team, we're able to take three months away as a family. We, we got away. We went to the middle of nowhere, just hanging out in the countryside. Uh, and I, 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 I found a counselor, and my, you know, we, we worked things out, and my counselor's like, at the end of my time, because my counselor knew I needed to go back to church, my counselor's like, Sangmin, it's totally okay if you don't go back to church. He was like really concerned. He's like, I was, like, I was, I was telling my counselor, like, Lois and I are really thinking about going back, and he's like, 
I don't know. And some of you guys met my counselor because he read, he did a couple's. He's like the really like humble, quiet, older gentleman. He's like, and he's just so so kind, right? His name's Peter, and he's like, he was like, "Hang me, I don't know if he should go back." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" So I turned to Lois, and I was like, "Lois, I don't." My therapist told me I don't have to go back, right? I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna go back. Lois looked at me, and Lois was like, "We're going back. If we're gonna leave, we're gonna leave later, but we're going back." And no, you know, and that was just totally encouraging me because I knew where Lois was, right? Like part of Lois is like at that season, it was just so hard for us to be in church. And, 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 and I share that because not, you know, time has passed and I think we can talk about it. Um, but I tell you, not, not just, just to tell you the story, but to give you a window of how, how hard those years were. Not just for me, but for many of us in our church. Uh, people in our community had to get like, counseling about what, what went on in our church. And, 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 I, and, and I don't know if we have the full, full like, story now. To really be able to understand what really happened. Yet I, yet I think about like us meeting today and seeing these songs. I think about how God has kept us together where we are as a church, where we are as a family. Like it's unbelievable. If someone told me like when I was going through all that stuff, like hey, you're going to be fine. Church is going to be okay. You're not going to close down. I would have been like, no, I don't believe you, right? Yet I couldn't be more grateful. Like yesterday we had staff barbecue. We spent like eight hours together on the rooftop. It's just so good as staff and families to be able to just hang out and, and be able to eat and just where how far we have come as staff and the relationships, how God has restored so much of our community in that sense. And, and to see Lois joining staff, I mean, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm shocked that Lois wants to do the kids' director position after we've gone through as a church. That tells me how much God has really worked in her heart as well in this process. Thank God. And I don't know if you've noticed, but one of the, one of the most wonderful attributes of our community is a sense of... Uh, Love that exists among people. It's, it's not great preaching. I know you're not coming here for preaching. You know, it's, it's, it, yes, worship team is great, wonderful. But I know people are here because they sense that there's this community. They sense that they could be themselves. They could find friends here and be able to love the Lord together. And can you imagine, like, I, I tell you, like, two and a half years ago, none of that, it was crazy. It was scary to be here. And for the Lord to turn us around and to be able to do that. I just want to encourage us that God is faithful restorer. And I'm not saying everything is good. I'm not saying I'm in good, I'm, I'm like in great, great relationship with everybody. No, things are not all good. <laughs> things are not all happy. But what I am saying is God, God is continuing to restore our lives, restore who we are, restore, and it takes time, right, for God to do that. But again, I want to remind us that God is in the business of restoring my life, your life, restoring this community, restoring just the things that enemy has robbed. So if any of you are feeling hopeless this morning or this afternoon, 
feeling lost, feeling weary, perhaps filled with doubt about the situation you find yourself in. For some of us, maybe God has been speaking to you about moving forward, moving beyond your trauma, your struggle, your pain, and we don't want to do it because we doubt God, we mistrust God, or we don't feel like we're ready. But you will not know whether you're ready or not until you take that step of faith. But you do that by trusting in God of Scripture, as God showed us throughout the book of Esther, that He is not only God who saves, but He restores all things back to us. Trust me, I've been there. I mean, I don't know your exact situation, but I've been there. And I could tell you with my utmost confidence that God's going to pull you through. Amen? Do you believe that? But the challenge so this, this afternoon is for you and I to place our trust in Him. Not in our ability, not in our vision, not the way we want to be restored, but simply in who God is. Scripture tells us He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner. He will fight for us. He is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He restores sense of wholeness to us. Isaiah 53, I promise I'm done. I promise you guys like 15 minutes. I've lied, okay. Isaiah 53, 3-5. Beautiful passage about Jesus. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Friends, he knows your pain, he knows your grief, and has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Friends, he was pierced by our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that has brought us peace. And with his wounds, and by his wounds, we are healed. Friends, this is the gospel. In chapter 8, as the story wraps up, when Esther pleads to the king to cancel the decree that the Haman had written against God's people, the king doesn't simply cancel the decree that was written by Haman. He tells Esther and Mordecai that's simply not possible. A new decree must be written. You can't just cancel old decree, right? According to the Persian law, it was impossible for the king to take back any decree that had gone out in his name. Otherwise, people will not respect that authority. Once declared, it cannot be undone. That's why the king says, you write a new decree. You write a new law. And friends, if that is not the most wonderful illustration of the gospel, I don't know what it is. What is. Just as it was impossible for the king to revoke the previous decree for his own integrity, God the Father couldn't simply turn his face from all the sin that we have committed against him and against each other. So Jesus came into our world as one of us to become ransom for us and only through his life, death, and resurrection we are restored and we can continue to experience his restoration. I'm not just, I'm not 
writing a blank check and saying, whatever situation you're in, you're going to be restored. And this is not some cotton candy sermon. No, our hope of restoration does not rest on anything other than the truth of the gospel and what Christ has done for us. And I really believe as the author wraps up the story of Esther, that's the message. He really wants to speak to each of us. I want to like pause for five minutes and help you guys like think about it, but no. But really, guys, do not, do not allow the Satan to continue to hold you back. Do not allow Satan to continue to lie lies to you, to identify you, and keep you paralyzed. Let's move forward. Knowing not everything is easy, not everything is perfect, knowing not everything is going to be awesome, yet God is, God is here. God is moving. God is challenging you. The question is, are we willing to listen and submit and trust Him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the book of Esther. There's so much here that we don't even know. But as you wrap up, as we wrap up this book, one reminder is clear that God, you are God who restores us. Like the prophet Joel's words, God, the, the years that locusts have eaten, whatever that is for us, and why that ever happened, it does not matter to you, Lord because of what your son did, because of what you are doing, and because of your Holy Spirit that is in each of us. So Lord, I, I pray for small faith. We don't even need big faith. Small faith, faith of mustard seed. To hold on to this word, to receive it as our own, and to apply it in whatever area of our lives that we need to, Lord. God, would you remind us again, not only through the sermon, but remind us throughout this week to be bold and courageous, to move forward trusting in who you are. Father, it's scary. It's, it's hard. It's daunting to think that we can move forward from our trauma, move forward from our experience, move forward and live differently. Yet, you defeated death. You defeated fear. You defeated sin. You defeated shame. So we can do that boldly. So that no one can tell us otherwise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Same we pray. Amen.